guys. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we have a bonus episode with Carly today. Hi, so, guys. So, guys, Carly, as I said in the book club, was one of our most requested guests. I don't remember the last time we got so many questions for a guest. And Carly has graciously agreed to answer everything. Not only has Carly agreed, Carly told me that she wants us to be the most listened to episode. So she's like, I'm ready to go. Nothing is off limits. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. This is the Carly unfiltered. Unfiltered. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that will be the episode title. Carly unfiltered. Yeah, let's do it. Great. Yeah, so Carly's here and we My got- heart's racing actually a little bit. Is it like, really? Yeah. No, don't. I'm this ready. be stressful. <laughs> and we can cut anything if you don't like what you say. Perfect. But we'll try not to cut people. Yeah. Don't worry. You're not missing out. This is not hard-hitting journalism. Yeah, so Carly is the blogger behind Carly the Prepster. She's just at Carly on Instagram. She started her blog 11 years ago. 11? Mm-hmm, 2008. I didn't know that. While she yeah. was still in college. I was still a teenager. Yes. 19. How crazy is that? That's basically Tommy Gevinson. Listen. I started my blog when I was like 28, I think. That's funny. Yeah, because I'm 38 now and I started 10 years ago. But we're like the same person. We're a lot It's just a number for us. Yes. I think. Yeah. So anyways, Carly's had her blog for 11 years. You might remember it as the college prepster. She recently rebranded. What was it? A couple years ago? Yeah, it's I maybe three years now. Okay. Oh my God. Time goes way too quickly. I know. Yeah. It flies. Yeah. So she rebranded to Carly, the, the prepster. I can't speak. Um, and we're so excited to have her here today. I'm so excited that I didn't get to just do one, but two. Too. I want to hear I all know. the controversial things. Be, I want yeah, the I it. want the tea. Yeah, you're going to be a podcasting expert by the end of this. All right, so let's start with blog questions. So to jump right in with the hard stuff, somebody asked. We crowdsourced all of these. Okay. What's the most difficult part about being in the public eye or putting your whole life online? So I actually don't put my whole life online, and maybe that's a misconception about blogging. I share what I want to share, and I curate that. I always tell people that. It's, you're just seeing part of it. Yeah. And I don't say that in like a negative trying to keep secrets kind of way, but I personally would lose my mind if I shared everything because some things have to be sacred. We we talked about this in another episode, but I'm curious what you would say. What percentage accurate do you feel like your online persona is to your actual real life? I 100%. I just don't think I put everything in my – everything that's online is me but not everything that's me is online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So, But yeah. I feel like everything that I put out there, good, you're, bad, and ugly, is me. I think you're exactly in real life how you are on the internet, but you just don't share everything that's in going on in your life yeah, on the internet. Yeah, that's what I would say. And part of that is I've been doing it for so long, and when you're blogging at 19 and sharing about failing classes – there's really nothing to hide at that point mm-hmm. and might as well just yeah keep going down that slope. <laughs> so what's the hardest part? The hardest part is I th- probably people assuming that making assumptions on you based on what you've put out there online, either they're coming to this with their own misconceptions and they're going to look at everything through their own lens, which is how we see the whole world is mm-hmm. through our own eyes. But sometimes I think I get the short end of the stick when people are bringing their own angle to it. And no matter – I could breathe and someone would say, oh, that breath wasn't long enough or that was too short of a breath. What do you think are <laughs> the three biggest misconceptions about you? Mm. People think I'm a mean girl. Okay. Some people, not everyone. And yeah, I can be mean in certain elements of my life. 
but I truly think of myself as there's room for everyone at the table. I'll definitely say something. I have a hard time like biting my tongue if I think something's wrong or if it's really, really annoying me. I'll just say it, which maybe I'm better off just keeping my mouth shut, but that's just not who I am. So maybe some things that I say can be misinterpreted as mean when I'm really just voicing my opinion. And I think there's a difference between being opinionated and being mean. Mm -hmm. I'm not cruel. Yeah. I would never exclude someone or try to be like angled. Yeah. Because I've been on that other side of it. Not to say that I'm like this victim, but I know what it feels like to be on the other side of a mean girl. So I wouldn't want to ever be that. I think people assume I must be really outgoing because I'm sharing everything you know, quote unquote, everything of my life online and being on Instagram stories. But I'm shooting photos with a photographer in the quietest part of the day so I can avoid seeing people. There's a reason why I don't work in an office. I get, I don't really like being around people. I'm not outgoing whatsoever. And yeah, I'm talking to thousands of people online, but it doesn't feel like it. It's like the yeah. best way to talk to people. Podcasting is a phone. weird medium because you don't realize that there's other people on the other yeah, side of it sometimes. Yeah. So I'm very – maybe shy is not the right word, but I'm very conservative in, like, opening up with other people. And if I'm really talkative, it's mostly because I'm so anxious and my anxiety is overriding it and I it's basically word vomit. That happens, so. Yeah. I think that's how you and I, I have similarities in that way, like – Being an introvert yeah. in this business. Yeah. And it's a tough balance. Like, I'm not going to every networking event and yeah. schmoozing and I'm not okay. Like, I would never want to cold call brands or any of that be- – not because I don't want to be successful, just because talking to some people makes me very nervous. Yeah, you have to really pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do I think the third one is? I don't know if I have a third one. Okay, we just have two. Yeah, yeah those were pretty It's our show. Ones. We can make up the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This question, we're really just jumping right into it. Somebody asked how you feel about Reddit and blog snark. And I guess we could throw Gomi in there too. Yeah. I feel better about Reddit than I do about Gomi, I say Gomi or Gomi, I don't even know. But yeah, I don't know how you. Um, if you're not, if you're listening to this and I have no idea what we're talking about, Google at your own risk. But and also know that when you're reading it, you're reading it from a very select subset of people and the tone. A blog snark, I think they do a better. I think blog snark, they do a better job at self-regulating and yeah. people calling out just outrageous behavior. Which I think helps and I think le- it's like very regulated. Yeah, it lends itself to a more productive conversation. Although I scan that for like industry news. I'm like, okay, how can I keep up on who's doing what? So I did when it first started because it's been out for a long time now. Oh, I only found it like a couple months ago. Oh, it's it's been years, I think. Okay. And I used to read it more because it was – I think the people used to be more normal then. Do you read it about everyone or just about yourself? I have no idea who most of the people are that they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, same. Because there's so, a lot of – because Reddit is one thread for like all blogs. It's so just not like you're blogs. going no, to No, I know. Like, I've, oh, I've cruised yeah. through it before. Oh, okay. Sorry. I have no idea who most people are. So like I'm scrolling, but it nothing's like jumping yeah. out at yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but there's certain threads. Like there's people who have a thread every week on blog snark like Caroline Calloway or um, – uh, some of the Mormon bloggers whose names I can't remember. Like, there's definitely, like, people that are fixtures. Yeah. I guess I just don't have interest enough to, like, dive mm-hmm. deep dive regularly, but I do have friends that read it. Do you have um, a, Google, a Google alert on your name? I turn them off. Oh, so you don't even know when you come up on there. So I used to have it, and I had settings that were, like, very buttoned up, so I was mm-hmm. only getting good Google alerts, yep. like, real news real news, not just like trash about myself. 
And then something happened or something changed in how my name was written in the GoMe thread. And then I was getting that. Oh, and I can't read that because it really affects my mental health. It becomes like my own worst enemy in my head. Yeah. It's like very sick. That's so I like- had to completely stop. And then the Google alerts, I have no Google alerts because it was coming up so frequently with those sites that – and even if I just read one snippet of it, I could extrapolate like what the larger conversation was and I was losing my mind. I think that's something interesting about podcast is that – so with blogs, you have commenting, which lives on your site, and then you have these threads like GoMe, Reddit, whatever, that live somewhere where people are going to say mean things. But with podcasts, you actually have like reviews on Apple. And so people feel entitled to say both good and bad things, where it's really interesting where like, I I read all of our reviews because I want to know what people are saying. But sometimes you just get like, blindsided by one you're like oh wow yeah, kind of like yeah. it feels like a, a punch to the gut it does it'll like really get you and part of my confusion about it truly is i mean i'm in the industry i see horrible behavior and weird and like shady behavior all the time and these most people just say like, fly under the radar and like no one cares they just turn you know these snarker people just turn a blind eye to it and for some reason people are obsessed and I don't, I, I don't get I don't that get part of it. Is there like an incident or a blog post or something that you feel like has d- drawn the most controversy for you? It's been like this since I I got a mention in someone else's – I used to read it when once I figured out what it was. And it was because I had gotten mentioned in someone else's thread. And then someone had added a, a link to my blog. And then I w- used to have Google traffic – Google Analytics real time yeah, on my computer if it all sends the time. You traffic, you see it. So all of a sudden, I had like 500 people on my site when I hadn't tweeted any. Nothing that I did would have. Sometimes mm-hmm. Pinterest stuff goes viral, and your your analytics are just like off the charts for like a, a week. This was weird. So I figured out like where the link was coming from, and I went over to it, and I just remember it was almost like I had gone through my whole day and then got home and realized that I wasn't wearing pants. Like I felt, it was like, I was embarrassed. I was horrified. I was so confused. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. And then I was obsessed with it. And I have, it's not really like a secret, although I don't really draw attention to it because I think it can be like a negative role model behavior. But I've always had kind of a self-inclination towards like self-harm. And when I gave up certain things, reading Gomi became and I didn't realize it at the time. You're not like figuring out yeah. that this is what you're doing. But I think it definitely became ha- like every day when I read it, it was like, okay, this is like how I'm going to harm myself. Yeah. It's like emotional cutting. Yeah. And it, I had gotten through some other stuff and it's, you think you're like on the other side of it and like healthy with it. And then you realize like, oh, I didn't actually like fix that behavior. I just replaced it with something else. And once I worked through that with extensive therapy and personal life to development, I realized like that is what I was doing in that moment. I wasn't reading it like out of interest. It was like doing it to hurt myself, which was sick because it's someone else doing it, which is adds another layer of it. Can I ask a personal question? You can tell yeah. me no. Have you found it hard to find a therapist who understands because like what you do is so niche where like it's like it's not. Yeah. So I'm curious too. Yes. And most of my therapists are or in the past have no idea what it's about. They don't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And frankly, I find it even like hard to describe because if you're not experiencing it or don't 
know it or you're not well versed in it, it can sound so lame. Right. Like it's really, oh, it's a really ha- left a mean comment. It's like, just ignore it. It's like, well, yeah, of course. Right. That's, of course. Yes, of course. Or like, don't read it. Or, right. Like, yes, of course. But so I, in that regard, I work with therapists more on like the behavior element of it. Okay. Because it doesn't matter what it is. That behavior is like underlying, like the self harm. Sure, it could sure. Be whatever. And then I try then to find like friends who either know what I'm going through, or I've been really weirdly fortunate to meet a lot of celebrities in their own right who go through this themselves. And by the, the third conversation, it's coming up, and I've been able to have like great conversations, or even just saying, "Hey, do you know someone who knows about this?" I haven't actually found a therapist that specializes yeah. in it. Although there's this one woman on on YouTube, I'm pretty sure her name is Kate, and she's been like the therapist for the YouTubers. Interesting. Oh. So she gets it, and now I'm obviously not meeting with her, although I would like love to Skype with her and have regular sessions. Like she's writing books. I, she's like found a niche for it. Mm-hmm. And frankly, even though it's happening to me as a quote unquote blogger who's been doing this for 11 years, this type of behavior happens to people, teens, mm-hmm. elementary school kids. Like everyone is experiencing this who are on social media, mm-hmm. it, this would be a great niche for therapists. And I think this one, I'm pretty sure her name is Kate. I'll find the link, but she does a really good job at like answering some of those questions and she interviews YouTubers. And I have personally found that so helpful, A, to not feel alone and be like, oh, wow, all these like other people are feeling this too. And then she gives great advice. Yeah. Specifically tailored towards them, even if it's not towards me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've just never really understood the criticism towards you because I like it's not like I get one comment a week it's like it's so much it's tons wow and like Carly like I say this lovingly like if your brand was something it would be like a really delicious sweet vanilla cupcake like boring it's not (laughs) doing anything offensive like you look at some of these other people and we're going to get to some of that who are doing crazy shit, like, you're not doing anything crazy. I think that's what I get so frustrated about, too. And then that brings out some of my, like, worst behavior because I get defensive about myself. No one – like, they don't actually know me. And sometimes, like, someone will send me screenshots, which I really can't stand when people do because I – have, it's like getting a spoiler for a TV show. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm, like I yeah. want the media blackout on it. But some of my friends like can't help it and they'll do it anyway. So I'll get a screenshot about something. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, I, I met Carly at a party. And it is it is literally just fake. Like I rem- one of this one girl did it to me. This is someone that I have met. She has come to meet and greets. I have pictures with her where she has stood in line to take pictures with me. I said one where I just said hi to her at an event. She buys all of her followers, but that's beside the point. I would never call her out for that to her face or publicly. No one knows who I'm talking about. She gets on that website and just goes crazy about how I was terrible to her at this Kate Spade presentation. And I sent her a DM and I said, "Um, excuse me, do you realize that this is not actually real? I have friends that I didn't leave their side and I have people who are around me that know that this didn't happen what were you thinking? And then she completely denied it and was like, well, I'd love to get coffee with you. I was like, oh, no, I'm not getting coffee with you. I know it was you. That's You're not crazy. that smart or clever. That's so And that strange. like really bothers me. So, and you know, I think now because it's been going on for so long, like I've been blogging for 11 years, let's say it's been going on for eight. And I think that's a conservative. The story that they've created about me, I'm like, God, this character that they've created would be an excellent 
you know, character in a movie or a book because it's so <laughs> fake and crazy that I'm like, they just have this idea of who I am and just run with it and assume that because one person said something, it's like 100% true. And it's like, well, that's fake. And now the next thing that you say that was fake is now based on something else that's fake. And it's just false. And I can't really defend myself because then if you defend yourself, you're like – right bitching yeah. about it well does this give you like more empathy with other people who are lightning rods like i'm thinking about like caroline calloway or somebody like is that are, are you like oh like i can see so i think behind the veil starts, i think this is actually her goal that's not my goal like mm-hmm. i don't want that i've actually met caroline how did you meet her this is before everything happened right guys we're gonna have to do a little bit of a deep dive and i'm not gonna talk super negative of negatively about her because I don't think that's fair for her to defend herself. But I will say just factually what has happened, including yeah. rolling myself under the bus for something that I did that I shouldn't have done. Okay. I want the whole story. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I've got some popcorn. Yeah. I'm ready. Oh, I wish I had yeah, popcorn. Take a sip of water. No, yeah. I have water. So like three or four years ago, I was living in Connecticut and I get this email from this girl, Caroline Calloway. And she wants to get together for coffee. And I used to have a pretty open policy about getting coffee with anyone who reached out to me because I think it's hard to reach out to a stranger and say, I want to pick your brain about something. I would love to just meet you. You've inspired me. I'm doing this project. Would love to hear what you think. That is so impressive as an introvert because I value my time so much. I usually say, oh, can we jump on the phone or can we do this over email? So part of it is because I'm an introvert, maybe I actually – I value – sitting down with someone like so much like, okay. and reaching out and making that cold call I, I want to give back because I know sometimes asking can be hard. Yeah. Just for the record, I no longer do that because it got out of control. Like yeah. it was great and I was doing it maybe three times a week and then I realized it was like sucking all my time mm-hmm. up and it was amazing. Three I times someone, a week is hard. I made people come to my corner. Okay. Go to my coffee shop. I did it. It was like a routine. It was actually kind of a nice break in the day. Yeah. Did 45 minutes. I'd always schedule a call for an hour later so I had to leave. It was, and it was nice because I met some amazing people who I'm still in touch with. That's great. So I'm in Connecticut though and I get this email and she name drops my friend. So even though I've stopped meeting with people, she reaches out to me and says, hey, I was just with blank, names my friend. He says you're amazing and then I should meet you. I'm trying to do this and that with my Instagram account. And I'm like, cool. I Google her because I'm also curious too. And so I Google her and the first thing that comes up is this Teen Vogue article that she wrote a book. Well, that right off the bat to me adds some uh, credibility to who you are. Totally. There's some clout with mm-hmm. Teen Vogue. Ironically, I was coming into the city to go to an event that I was hosting with Teen Vogue. So I bring my intern with me, which thank God I brought her with me because what happened was so bizarre that if someone else hadn't been there to witness it with me, I A, would have thought I was dreaming or B, was like, no one's going to believe me if I retell the story. So I was like, I had a witness. Oh, I can't wait for this story. So what she, happened? So we show up to this coffee shop and she's 25 minutes late, which like really just irritates me. Sure. Like I get that it's New York, but plan 30 minutes ahead. And she shows up and her finger, it's like her ring finger, I think, on her left hand is actively broken. I don't mean that it's in a cast. It is at a 90 degree angle upwards. So like picture a triangle coming off of your hand. And does she address this or you just notice this? So at first I'm like, listen, I'm not going to judge anyone for a physical whatever. People look different. It did catch me off guard, but I was like, you know, (laughs) you don't just walk around with a broken finger. So I assumed she was born that way, which more power to you. She sits down and the first 
thing out of her mouth is, oh my God, I'm so sorry about my hand. I broke my finger while doing ecstasy with my boyfriend. Oh. Okay. She has not introduced herself. I haven't introduced myself. It is the first conversation she says when she comes in. My jaw hits the table. I am not the baddest bitch out there. So like, and I'm not against drugs. If you want to do it, good for you, not for me. But hearing this from someone that I literally didn't know four minutes before just (laughs) blew my mind. That's such a strong way to lead. And it wasn't like pot or some – or Adderall, which apparently is like her drug of choice. It was ecstasy. And I just – I didn't even know people really did ecstasy maybe. I don't know. My poor intern sitting there with her jaw on the the table. The conversation was actually kind of nice. Like she was interested in what I had to say, but you you did feel like you were sitting at a table with like a cult leader. Okay. Like – Because of her energy? She's – charismatic okay like af she's got something about her and i will fully fully admit to that like i'm i find my i would consider myself a highly intelligent person or at least more than average and i could feel myself sort of getting sucked into it okay so i get like it actually has that like that pull pull and there's like there's people like that. They just draw you into their world. Yeah, and, and there's something their about friend. the way she talks, and she's got like giant blue eyes, and she really she has like all the manners. She's so pretty. She's beautiful. She looks like Miley Cyrus to me. Oh, interesting. Oh my God, looks identical to me. So she's leaning across the table. She's like doing the mmm and yeah, and asking the follow up questions. And so you're like people love talking about themselves. Like I'm doing it now. I was drawn in but also was so horrified by the ecstasy comment that like my brakes were on the the emergency brake was i'm more horrified that she didn't fix her finger well she said she was on her way to the doctor or had to go back to virginia to get it fixed or something it it, this was not just some go to a doctor and get it set this was like it needed surgery or something so anyway we leave this meeting and my little intern looks at me and goes what did you think and i go i actually have no thoughts like it was so crazy and so bizarre anyway i go about my daily life for, the, for three years. Then February rolls around and all of a sudden she's everywhere for being like the next fire festival. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's right to call her the next fire festival. I don't either. That's I actually thing think people – Everyone is like she's a scammer and I've seen yeah, her equated a in a bunch of places it, to um, – Anna Delvey and it's like no she's not a scammer she's a girl who's poor who's a poor planner like she has delusions of grandeur and she like tried to do something and didn't pull it off but here's the thing she actually a ended up pulling it off I think she made some serious missteps in the way and who's to say that someone didn't want to spend 165 dollars to sit on the floor and meet her people do that all the time with smaller celebrities right you know Instagrammers. so like that the press for sure was all over it and it was everywhere i mean the new york times was covering it now a week before that or maybe like two weeks before that she had gone out to get coffee with one of my friends who i'm actually friends with and i saw it on my friend's instagram story and i just sent her the text message of hey how'd it go saw that you had coffee with caroline she had no idea that I've met her before. I just was like feeling the water, seeing if she had changed, whatever. My friend basically launched into this whole thing about how it was the craziest experience. She can't even describe it to her husband. Like <laughs> she's having a hard time wrapping her mind around what just happened to her. And we spent the next like two weeks talking to each other about what had collectively happened to us. She's basically just the most successful social climber I've ever seen in my life. Like she knows, and my friend, she had gotten an email saying, hey, I'm friends with Carly, would love to get coffee with you. So my friend's like, well, she's friends with Carly. Of course I'll get coffee with her. You can just see that like the steps ladders and it works. It's like successful. Interesting. So, but then two weeks later, it was like everywhere. We could not believe, couldn't believe it. 
and then we talked about it for a while and then it thinks quieted down and then it came back up recently because her ex-ghostwriter wrote this whole thing about it. To be honest, I find the whole thing confusing. I get why people are obsessed with her. I get it because it's so I don't get why people are obsessed with her. I also She provides so much content. So (laughs) even if you don't get it for 99% of the content she puts out, there's a second of the day where you're going to be like, hmm. But I didn't understand what was so controversial about that story where it was like the big controversy was that like she bought likes and it was like, yeah, of course she did. She has 800,000 followers and gets a thousand likes on a post. Like, of course she bought likes. I think at this point she's just become – Or bought followers. Bought followers. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. She's probably buying everything. At, you know, yeah. not her specifically. But right, if you're right, buying right. one, you're probably buying others. But um, I get the draw because I had sat down with her and I think people felt invested in her story and then they feel slighted. And my guess is that if you were to look at people who are like – like if you go into that Reddit – thing it is it blows any type of snark out of the water it's like tmz level on a national scale i looked scale. at it and it was too overwhelming i was like i can't like you I can't, can't look at this take a break you, if yeah you, the minute you're off the the hamster wheel you're out of the game so, but these people are obsessed and i imagine that if you were to put them all into a room this is like just a complete generalization it could be completely wrong but in my mind i just picture like everyone having this idea of like moving to new york and being this felicity from felicity and wearing socks with loafers and being quirky and fantasizing about Oxford. Like, I think there's a – it's like the new manic pixie Dream girl. girl. Dream girl. Okay. I think that's what Caroline is for 2019. Interesting. Soon to be 2020. Okay. Is that – so it's like a persona that she's knowingly wearing, like that she's manufacturing, you think? I, I don't – I think she was for a certain extent and now it's like she's in it, in the quicksand and it's just taken over. Interesting. Okay. But she was – I mean, it was a great conversation. The ecstasy thing kind of threw me for a loop. She caught me red-handed watching her Instagram stories for a little bit back in February and reached out oh, to Oh, this do- was the thing you did, shouldn't have done? Yeah. I was watching her Instagram stories and I didn't realize – Why should you not have done that? Well, she follows me so she could see that I was watching them and then she reached out to me and was like, let's get dinner. But it, I was – Oh, I don't think that that's not so, somebody that I do. You can her. follow somebody and like look at their Instagram yeah, stories and not want to have anyone, dinner no. with them. I just felt like I got caught right You watch my stories all the time and you don't. Yeah, um, but I'm watching your stories because I want to see what you're doing. I was watching her stories to be like, what's she up to next? But she has like 800,000 followers, or I don't know how many she had at that point. Some she's hundreds of thousands of followers. So like you're putting content out there for it to be consumed. True. Like if somebody's watching it, like I di- I just felt guilty about it. But then I told some of my close close friends about like non blogger friends mm-hmm. about what had happened, and I was like I ghosted her, and I did feel bad about it. But I oh, was I don't think you should feel bad. So overwhelmed by the whole fire festival. thing. If she was, was your ex girlfriend, like you know, <laughs> like if when an ex is watching your stories, you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. But but she was nice, and she just wanted to get dinner, and I I just decided to. To say no, but by saying no, instead of saying no, I just ghosted, which is mm-hmm. maybe not mm-hmm. the best thing. But then when this new part came out, all of my friends who I had ex- tried to explain what was happening, because it's so weird to explain, then they were blowing, yeah, going well, crazy. I got like 55 people send me the, the link to that cut article, and I was like, I know I read it. Yeah. I have no relationship with her. I don't know her at all. And I had family and friends who don't work in this space at all being like, do you know her? What is this? What's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't even looked at it yet. I'm so um, – now it's just so confusing. It's I can't very keep up. confusing. But that's There's my personal experience with it. 
Okay. I'm curious for both of you guys. So how do you think about measuring success as an influencer? Is it like followers? Is it likes? Is it like some X factor of like quality of community? Conversion. Yeah. Conversion. I would say that that too because like it kind of hits everything. Yeah. I mean anyone can like buy different metrics. Like you can have a lot of people going to your blog even that don't care about you because you're doing like click farm out and yeah. Um, I think it's conversion, definitely. People and like taking your word and actually caring about what you have to say. I tell people all the time, you could have 10 followers or you can have 100 followers. If you have 10 followers and those 10 followers are buying, every single one buys what you recommend versus you have 100 followers and only one person, that's n- – you have 10 times more influence than the other person. It has nothing to do with how many followers you have. Yeah. So I think sometimes people go at it the wrong way. Now, you can fake it and get all these numbers and get these like – you know, scammy um, advertising sponsorships. Yeah. But I think brands mostly really care about conversion. What has been the most surprising thing, item, service, whatever, that is like hit for your audience? Um, This is so random. And it's That's not what even, I'm asking for. I yeah, want the It's not one. even like what I was recommending. I was actually asking for recommendations. And some usually I get – it sounds like a lot and it is, but it's – I just like scroll through them really fast because it's overwhelming. Like sometimes you get like a thousand responses. Now, thank God Instagram has that question thing that keeps it out of your DM box. Yeah. But I asked for recommendations on doormats. Doormats. Mm -hmm. I've never, never had responses like this in my life. It was out of control. And people were recommending like three things over and over again. That's so interesting. And people were passionate. It's weird what people get attached to. Like it's like – so I'm on like the other end of the spectrum from you in terms of like my Instagram. But I um, asked people – I put a question box up about sheets because I got a king-size bed and I was like I need to switch out all my sheets. I need sheets. sheets. People are passionate. People had a lot of thoughts. And – um. Some a bunch of people ended up recommending these Amazon sheets. They're like thirty dollars on Amazon. I talked about this once three months ago. I do not have any like highlights. It hasn't been like something I've talked about multiple times. I would say I get a DM a day asking me for these sheets, and I'm like, why did that stick? It's very so. I think there's something to be said about price points. Yeah, and universality. What's the word? Yeah, yeah. like you. Everyone has doors. Sure. And if you live in a climate like Vermont, you're going to be very passionate about what your doormat does because hmm. you're going to be schlepping in that mud yeah, yeah, season, yeah. Mm-hmm. mud through your house. So there's something about that. Like doormats are usually $30. Your sheets are $30. It's something everyone uses, like yeah. no matter what your style is. So there's something about that too that helps. Yeah. I'm always interested to know like what are the weird things that people glom onto for other that people. That for sure. Although, but shoes are my number one bestseller. Which kind, I sell what kind of shoes? Any shoe. The Margot? I the Margot like flats I do really well for Mar- me. Margot with you. I think it helps because I, I'm not like a regular influencer and in that I'm not buying like trendy shoes. Like yeah. I'm wearing the same flats that I've worn a lot and mm-hmm. I have a very distinct style. And I also just cannot put myself into an uncomfortable position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I've am I'm. just gotten too old for sore feet, so I don't. And yeah. I think people – and I wear them more often. So I typically sell things when I've worn it for like the second or third time and seen it styled different ways. Yeah. That's when I start to see the conversion. So I think that helps with it's shoes. It's wearing mm-hmm. things over and over again. Hunter I, boots. I sell a lot of Hunter oh, boots. Oh, interesting. I 
love when people ask me, are those shoes comfortable? I'm like, dude, like I'm 38 years old. I do not wear uncomfortable shoes. Like they might look cute, but they're, trust me, if I'm wearing shoes, they're comfortable. I watched a YouTube video. I'm huge into YouTube. I watched this YouTube video about the real crazy rich Asians, like the people that the character from the movie and would love on. to watch that video. Please it's amazing. It it's on like the W or some magazine L or something. Okay. This one girl uses cream that numbs her feet before she puts her feet into heels. Tamara Mellon sells that. I think it's a collaboration with Laura Jones, I want to say. I'm sorry. If you're numbing your feet, you've gone too far. Yeah, I agree. You have gone too far and your feet will never recover. It's like modern day foot binding. No. Just say no and wear wear comfy shoes. Yeah. You're looking at me like you're trying to convince me. I'm like, I'm I'm feeling passionate. You're you're preaching to the choir here. (laughs) We are team comfy shoes. I feel like I have to yeah. look at someone. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's talking fine. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I did get a little passionate when I was I know. Like, it was no, like my shoes are comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a quick break from all the tea to talk about a sponsor. Yes. Today's sponsor is Borghese. So Borghese is a beauty brand that is inspired by the Italian spa culture, which is something we can both definitely get behind. So the brand has been around for 62 years now, and they were actually the first brand to bring mud masks to the market. I have been a big fan of this brand for years now. Their face masks are incredible. But what really blows my mind is how effective they are in just two to five minutes. So my personal favorite is the Fango Repartivo mask, and that's the white one. It's really calming and surprisingly very soothing. Okay, so this brand was new to me. I had heard Grace talk about it, but before they became a sponsor, I hadn't tried anything by them. So they sent us a package of a bunch of their products to try so that we could talk about them from our experience. And I I, like, I feel bad saying this about a sponsor, but I was really skeptical because the masks, all of them you keep on for two to five minutes. And I was like, how how good could this be in two to five minutes? Grace, it's really good. I know. That's why I like it so much. So I – my whole face was broken. Not broken. But um, we did back-to-back shows in D.C. and Philly, and my skin just felt tight – and irritated from wearing so much makeup, and it felt so not great. And so when we came home, I tried the Fango Delicato, which is the uh, moisturizing mask for delicate Is that the skin. light green one? It's a light green one. I like that one. And I tried it, and I, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, like, I have it. Let's see. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed. I also like that they have a brush for their masks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't like getting my fingers dirty. I'm excited to try a lot more, too. I also tried their face cleanser, which I liked. It's a gentle cleanser that I don't remember the name of. It's like comes out green. It's the only cleanser they have, I think. Liked that a lot. It's not travel friendly is my only complaint. It's eight ounces. Yeah, you have to leave that home. So that's on my home cleanser, but then I like still use on on the road cleanser. Yeah. We have to get the gift sets because I think the gift sets have the smaller sizes. Oh. That's one of my favorite things about holiday gift sets is a lot of times they're very TSA friendly. Oh, you buy it for yourself. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good yeah. hack. Yeah, we're going totally off our, off our talking points. But the, the key thing to know about Borghese is the products are quick but super potent. And can we talk about the fact that it was created by a princess? This feels like the plot line from a rom-com. This is your favorite part. Love this. I'm still not over that. So Princess Marcella Borghese created a beauty line that she wanted to allow everyone everywhere to bring the spa home. And so Borghese has now been around for 62 years. 
So I've been taking these on the road with me. I brought the Fango Uniform one with me to D.C. That's the dark gray one. And it's really good like before an event or something because it's really great with brightening your skin. Oh, I'm going to do that tonight. Yeah. It's wonderful. But the thing I keep forgetting to talk about, and I did make it my obsession in yesterday's episode, is the hand masks. The hand masks are amazing. So I've said this a million times, but I'm very self-conscious about my hands because I have dry skin and my hands can look really old. So I love I love these so much. They're like a little glove for your hands. They're perfect for TV time. And I like it because it kind of um, prevents me from looking at my phone because I've got this like glove on my hand. So I just sit and I watch a movie or I watch TV and let my hands get like beautified. It's like self-care two ways. Like it actually is a treatment, but then it's like a mental thing too. Yes, exactly. Oh, we have really gone on in this ad and I, I hope it comes across because it's like we are really obsessed with it. Yes, we're very obsessed. I need I'm going to look into their gift sets. You're yes, that's the best the best thing. I want to try more of their stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want to try some of their products, you can get 25% off site-wide at borghese.com. And I'm going to spell it for you because I don't know that you would necessarily know this. So it's b o r g h e s e.com. And then you enter the code BOP25 at checkout. So again, go to Borghese.com and enter code BOP25 at checkout. It's a really good deal. I feel like beauty never goes on sale. Yeah, try it and let us know what you try. Let's mask together. Yes, let us know. Go to the Facebook group or Instagram or whatever and tell us. Send us your selfies. We love it. Now back to Carly. Someone else wrote, how are you adapting your blog to the changing influencer world? I was just thinking about this the other day because I think people – are waiting for like blogging and influencing to like die and it's the opposite I think it's just getting crazier it's weird because all my stuff like my blog especially is growing that's how I feel and people are like it's dying I'm like "Mm, I don't know well I think it helps that you and I both post content on our blog that isn't on our Instagram yeah if you're just going for outfits you can just scroll through Instagram no problem but if you're like writing and like just like I'm not a prolific writer I just write about what's going on in my life and people are interested. Like it's voyeuristic in a nice way. But even if it's like Amazon finds or a reading list, that's not on your Instagram. You'll put it on your stories and share it. When I think of my blog as like the sun of the solar system, like you can come to my blog and get the full picture. You can add on social media into the solar system and you get a better picture, but you can live on just the blog. That's how I feel. Maybe the solar system, the planets, you're not getting the full, you're only getting whatever part. But the biggest change for me is that brand partnerships have gotten so intense. So intense. And in years past, I've had a manager for four years now. Yeah. Different managers. I'm on my like fifth one or something. It's crazy. But they drop like flies. It's very stressful. Interesting. I've had the same person for like five years. You met her, Kristen. I did meet her. Yeah. I – it's been tough for me. But part of that is I'm at an agency. So I think people oh, okay. like come in and they out. probably rotate too. Yeah. Um, but I used to think like a manager was great because it really helped free up my inbox and it allowed me to have more of a regular life and I wasn't just like tied to my work. Yeah. It was worth paying the 15% because they're making me more money. They're, they can be the bad guy. They're making sure I get paid, et cetera. But at the same time, I was like, well, I could do what they're doing. This year, like the past six months, eight, nine months, it has – the contracts are so – fucking confusing that I'm an intelligent person and I literally literally have to print the contract out (laughs) I basically cut out sections with an actual pair of scissors of what I 
I need to remember. And it's, it is so confusing and complicated and the exclusivity has gotten exclusivity out of control. Exclusivity is crazy. Usage rights, like all of the stuff that they can do with your content. And then like, what if you work with a skincare brand and then they take your image and run ads with your likeness while you're then like, say six months later. Doing another. Yeah, doing another campaign. Do you remember when that photo of me got sold to Shutterstock? Oh, no. You guys, somebody bought one of Carly's photos from her old photographer? No. What happened? Say, tell the story, Carly. You're better So my at friend it had a furniture company. Okay. Okay. And her brother was a photographer. And the brother came over to her apartment. Now, mind you, I had just broken up with a boyfriend the night before. So this photographer's coming over to my to shoot my apartment. I forced him to cut my head out of every single photo because my face was just so puffy. <laughs> So all the photos are just me sitting on this couch in my apartment as like this furniture. They're very cute photos. You had tights and a skirt. Yeah. And it's like. I'll always remember the tights because of what comes next. (laughs) The photo has since gone viral on Pinterest. Like I see it every year around Valentine's Day. But like two years later, I get this email, Facebook message from this reader. And she goes, hey, I don't know if you know this, but Summer's Eve Mm -hmm. is using your photo for a Facebook ad. And I am dying. She sends me a screenshot and it's basically a caption about how you don't need to worry about having itchy tights in the winter anymore. And not feeling fresh, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, not feeling fresh. Like something about the tights and itchiness. It was about the tights and itchiness and not feeling fresh. And summer's eve. So I call my manager up at the time. <laughs> this is why managers are really helpful because they have teams of attorneys. So it turns into this whole thing. And apparently I just assumed it was some intern who swiped it from Pinterest. But it turns out that the photo, even though I hadn't given model rights, which is the thing that all, anytime someone takes your photo, like even if you're just doing engagement photos, make sure you don't sign that because they can use that for whatever. But anyway, I hadn't signed the model rights or anything, but he's illegally sold the photo to Shutterstock. And then this agency that worked for Summer's Eve legally purchased the photo. So they were allowed to use it. Yeah. They're like, we bought this. Like, But they were really nice. I have to give them credit. They were like this small agency down in Texas and they felt so bad because I think people understood that it was a sensitive topic and that I hadn't signed up for it. And even though my face wasn't in the photo, it was so recognized recognizably me yeah that they immediately took it down and really apologized but that was nice very embarrassing wow yeah Yeah, i remember that that was (laughs) a a fun story somebody else asked have you considered rebranding away from the prepster so i have um because your instagram is just at carly yeah which was a fluke i didn't think i was actually gonna get it and that's like so big it's Did you have to letters. kick somebody off of I with somebody sitting on it? I found someone who had it and just negotiated with them privately. Because I remember when I was at Lola, we there was somebody who had at Lola, but they were not active. So we like – Yeah, that's what I got for Twitter. That's what happened because mm-hmm. I have at Carly on Twitter and it was just Twitter being like, it's an inactive account. But the other one was a real person, but she had her first and last name on the Instagram. She had never posted. But she like followed people on it. And I just sent her a Facebook message and then she said, sure. Oh, wow. She was like a stay-at-home mom in England. It was very random. I didn't know how she had it in the first place. But I do can think about rebranding. But to be honest, at this point, I feel like that the name of my blog has so little to do with my brand that doesn't really matter. And yeah. the thought of rebranding again just seems like a lot of work. As long as you like, like the name. I don't hate it. I, yeah. I the college pressure name. was a situation. Well, because you're not in college anymore. It, yeah. Which was a whole thing. But it's fine. I don't hate Carly the Do you prepster, still own works. the college prepster? Oh, of course. Would Grace. you ever do something with that? Like sell it or like – It could be like a diffusion, a diffusion brand, brand of like – So like honestly, it. I just have zero desire to manage people 
Mm-hmm. I yeah. like my job. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I don't want to have some massive brand that I'm worried about like inventory and I'm worried about like people's livelihoods and providing health insurance for other people. Like I don't, that would not spark joy for me. And maybe that's like a very like unfeminist thing to say, but I'm very content and happy with like how I have things set up now. And I think that's so self-aware of you. Like I think everyone's trying to like grow these massive things and that's great if that's what you want to do. But like if you don't want to manage people and you can be successful and you can give yourself a nice life having what you have. Yeah. Great. And I also, it's, it is truly just me. I feel like a lot of people who are starting these like big brands have yeah. well, my other f- people involved that are like really driving the horse. And I can't – I couldn't even imagine going down that path and like raising fundraising or mm-hmm. boots – even bootstrapping I think would be a challenge. I also have zero, zero, zero desire to get into inventory. I think being a blogger is the best of both worlds because you let everyone else deal with we talk about logistics my sister has an inventory-based business and i do and my dad's always like well your sister's so smart because she's got no overhead to her. so my other sister i'm like my sister is so accomplished like do not yeah, even like different go strokes for different yeah. folks it's like just to me the thought of having a warehouse full of like anything sure. that i have to, that i'm responsible for selling just nah mm-hmm. yeah i think that's really interesting i think i'll definitely rebrand at a certain point but for now i'm like i think you have to do it when the shoe really doesn't fit mm-hmm. and right now no blisters yeah yeah no Comfy blisters <laughs> that could be the theme yeah um can we change topics yeah can we talk about reading yes my favorite my favorite okay. i can talk about books pretty much for the rest of my life i feel like we have a lot of like rapid fire ones all right let's go favorite childhood book um I'm drawing a blank. I wasn't that big of a reader, but maybe – You can um, stop and think about it if you want. The Little House on the Prairie series. I was – Babysitter's Club. Babysitter's Club sure. was the best. Babysitter's Club. Good yes. answer. What about thinking answer. about like all the series I had like on a shelf? Yeah. What about your favorite book of all time? Boys in the Boat. I've never even that. heard of that. Guys. Okay. It's nonfiction. Becca, don't panic. Okay. <laughs> it reads like a fictional novel. Mm-hmm. It's about the Berlin Olympics and it follows the – I'm going to – Oh, because you were so into rowing. I was a, but I don't think you need to know crew okay. to get it. But it basically follows like the rise of Nazi, Nazi Germany while also talking about this incredible like scrappy team of boys at in Washington getting ready to race in the Olympics. Okay. It's phenomenal. It's one of those books that you can recommend to literally anyone, men, women, teenagers, elderly, like everyone will okay. enjoy it. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So okay. what's your favorite book to reread? Is it that one? I've actually never reread a book. Ever? I hate The re-reading. first Harry Potter I yeah, reread. Yeah, we know, Grace. I, <laughs> I, re- I read the first Harry Potter in fifth grade, hated it, which I think I hated it because everyone else loved it and I was being Contrarian. Angsty. Yeah. Um, then I was really depressed my senior year of college and I had no friends anymore and I got a library card and started checking out the Harry Potter books. So I, re- I read the whole series, which included rereading the first series and I'm – now, I wouldn't consider myself a Potterhead, but I love Harry Potter. Okay. I found Harry Potter also in college. I was very, very sick. Like, I got this weird thing. It was kind of like mono, but it wasn't mono. Like, no one knew it was wrong with me. And I went home, and I was – like, I spent my whole Christmas break because we used to get, like, a month off or yeah. something for Christmas. I spent, like, my whole break, like, just reading in bed because I was so sick. It's that – I find – the first book is for sure a children's book. Yeah. But the rest of the series is, like, it's very adult, and the themes are very – Agree. Dark and I intense. I didn't read Harry Potter until recently, like in the past five really? years. Did you love it? 
I did love it, but the first book I was like, the first this book's is awful. Well, the the font is like size twenty. Yeah. Have you read The Magicians? Mm-mm. You should read The Magicians okay. because it's grown up Harry Potter. Oh yeah, I'm it's in. it's in it starts in college and there's drugs and sex and yeah. like complicated okay. adult in. emotions. Yeah, I it's think wonderful. you'll like it. Hitha told us about that. Oh I, no, Hitha I always read that like a very long time ago. I love The Magicians. Oh, interesting. I thought that Hitha told me about it years and years ago. She might have actually told me about it because I have like a list of books that Hitha's mm. recommended. Sometimes mm. I tap into. Do you ever feel like reading is a chore sometimes when you set goals? So I set goals because I'm a competitive person and it keeps me motivated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I don't find that a chore. I find it like exciting. Okay. Okay. What about choosing the next books that you're going to read? This is hard because my pile is so long. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And especially since I started a bookstagram. Well, yeah. They just sent – they just show up in the mail. And I love it. Yes. If I can be a book blogger, sign me up. I'm yeah. happy. I love it. I remember when I first got started getting sent books, I was like, oh, this is way better than clothes. Yeah. And like, who cares if it's $20? I'm like, it just feels like a true gift. Yeah. Sometimes right. when someone sends you others, like a box of beauty product, I'm like, this seems like work. I'm overwhelmed. There's stuff I have to put away and sort through. And yeah, a book, I'm like, oh, what a gift. Yeah. I get so happy when I get a book. But I usually pick a book that just is screaming my name. Yeah, it's a mood thing. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes the books shift on the yeah. the proverbial list. Yep, I hear that. Wait, can you talk to us about your bookstagram? Yes. So I went recently, I looked up when I started it because I created it's the account. It's grown pretty quickly. So I created it in 2017, but I didn't do anything with it. Oh. I'm psycho about like getting When did handles. you start actually doing something with it? This spring. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was yeah, it hasn't say, even been a year. I don't know. I truly don't understand what is happening. I'm not questioning it. I don't want to rock the boat. One of the photos got like 10,000 likes. What? Oh my God. Of what? Me oh. walking on Nantucket. And it's like cute rainy photo, but yeah. like – Do your you, regular photos get – I mean your regular photos get pretty good engagement. But, but if I got 10,000 fo- likes on a regular Carly photo, I'd be like, wow, this did great. But you for, have like one ten thousand likes versus you have thirteen thousand followers. I only had nine thousand when I posted that. So you were like, everyone who likes me liked it, this. It was That's actually crazy. so confusing because I literally thought I was on my Carly account because it had yeah. so many likes, and I panicked thinking I had posted it to the wrong account. Not that anyone would care or notice that I yeah. did something quote unquote incorrectly, but I was like, wait a minute. This is the book club. So I'm not exactly sure why there's so much traction, but people are – it's like legitimate engagement. It's not yeah bogus. That's great. But I have so much fun with it. And I'm one, looking at it. That's crazy. One thing that I really like about the Bookstagram community is it doesn't feel competitive, although maybe it is and I'm just not fully I feel like everyone I've ever met in Bookstagram is the loveliest right? human being. Oh God, it's like also nice people. And like even the DMs that I have and like I find – now, maybe these – they're you know being nice. Morgan from NYC Book Girl? Okay, no, but you guys did a thing She reminds her. me a little bit her. of you. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She's the wisest 25-year-old I know. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, we have a youth. She's our young friend. Your youth? Our youth. She's our youth. Yeah. Okay. I'll hang out with her. Yeah. I like hanging out with the, the youth. Yeah. She keeps us hip. Yeah. Why? She does. Um, But I love the bookstagram. I'm like really into it. And it's so nice to have something that I'm not super pressured about. But I've had my – I've had sponsored posts for it. Oh wow! Great things are great. Yeah, I think book. I think the book publishing world gets the like. I met with a couple of agents, and every single. Not that I'm. I'm trying to write a book, but it's not going well. So don't ask me about it. But 
Um, I've met with a couple of agents and every single agent, every single agent that I've talked to is like, keep the bookstagram up. It is the number one factor that publishers are taking into account for first-time authors now. Maybe not necessarily bookstagram, but being like in the book community. Interesting. Cool. It's a whole thing. Okay. What type of narratives do you enjoy in books? Like what are the storylines that you like? I don't find myself very picky when it comes to books. But is there something that if you're like – so for me, for instance, um, if there is a plot line about anything royal, I am in. Okay. For me – Do you have anything like that? I really like books about moms and daughters. Okay. Okay. I have like a weird – I haven't read a lot – like Celeste Ng's books I think are phenomenal. And she really captures that like mother-daughter dynamic and love – hate, tension, okay. foiling. I think she, her books are probably like the epitome of that. I like dark books, but I don't read them that often because I find myself like creeped out and like I get mentally depressed. Grace, were I, you going to say that your favorite is Gone Girl ripoffs? Yes, it is. Like so anything I, that's like a, just a thriller that keeps you up all night. So that I like, don't like. So that's – it's a terrible thing. I, I read a lot like of really smart same. books too to like counteract yeah. it. But when I'm like, if I have like period cramps and I want to stay in and I don't feel well, that's what I'm doing. So Ellen Hildebrand is probably that for me. Okay. okay. That's like your – Like a beach read about like wealthy people drama mm-hmm. that it's not really rooted in reality but feels very important to them. Okay. Yeah. I like those books too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like a lot of things. But a thriller just like I'm like, this is – I'm like treating myself to a murder, which is so weird. Treating myself no, you know to funny? a murder. <laughs> no, but what's funny is – For a glass of wine. So I don't like – this is – I don't like to waste – Audible credits or waste money on audiobooks. I also use Libro.fm if anyone is wondering. But I don't like to waste those credits on like beach reads because to me it just seems like a waste. Interesting. I want to like spend money on like a really good book that I can like dig my teeth into. Okay. But I – every single time a new Ellen Hildebrand book comes up on my Libby app, which is my library card, I am – I will stop every or any audiobook that I'm listening to to listen to it. Oh, or put myself on every wait list. Just, and it feels like a treat. And I get really excited when it's available. So wait, what are your personal rules for like what gets read from the library versus audiobook versus you buy a hard copy? So now I'll listen to anything on audiobook because I'm really used to it and it's become its own genre to me. Like I wish I'd actually read this in an audio or listened to it, I guess. Um, She's pointing to our October oh, yeah, book. Sorry. How could she? <laughs> I forget. People aren't here. Nobody but can hi. see you. <laughs> um so I've actually come to enjoy audiobooks so much more, and I think publishers are recognizing that audiobooks are its own genre and deserve its own attention. So, like, narrators are becoming incredible. Production quality is fantastic. I know you were telling me before we started recording that Daisy Jones and the Sixth One was the best one you've read, and I've heard that from multiple people. It has a cast. It's a cast, and you feel like you're watching a TV show without watching it. You're like listening to it. And I'm listening I'm listening to The Dutch House by Ann Patchett, who is oh, I've heard one of my favorite authors. About Everyone's that. talking about that book. I would read a book by her about wa- a character watching paint dry on a wall. Hmm. I think she's phenomenal. And sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what this book's about. Don't even really care about the plot, but it's I just love like it. soothing. I love her character development and the way she writes. But Tom Hanks is narrating it. What? Tom Hanks. Oh my God. I that seems like a disconnect. That. Is the well, so it's the main character's a, a boy. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Or man. He's a man and then he's also a child in some okay. of the scenes. But 
He's so good at it. You kind of feel like you're listening to Woody from Toy Story Talk. But you oh, get that would be that. weird. That would take me out of it. It was hard at the beginning, but then I'm like really into it. And I like any memoir that where the author narrates it. Yeah, like the Ruth Reichel book was phenomenal by her. And you, you get more context to the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now, like if it's basically if I have the book, I'll read the book. If it's at the library, I'll download it because it's free. And then everything else is audio. I pretty much do 50-50. So like one audio – I'm always listening to an audiobook and I'm always reading a book. Oh, I actually thought about – so that I'm makes- not an audiobook listener and I thought about getting How Could She as an audiobook because I've had – I needed to reread it and I've had such a busy week and I was like, I don't have time to sit down and read, but yeah. I'm running around the city. Like, can I listen to it? And I didn't end up doing it because I was like, I don't want to own three copies of this book. I know. I have yeah. four for some reason. I They keep coming to my house. Oh, I must weird. be on a list or I something. Had, I lent mine so then I had to buy one. And then I was like, I don't want to also then. Yeah. So I've been – right now I have a book, a Kindle book on my phone so I can read everywhere. And then an audio, and two audiobooks, which isn't normal. But I got off a waiting list, so I have okay. to. But I like – I. I'll consume books, however, okay. whichever. Yeah. I'll watch the movie later. I'll read the Ellen Hildebrand's Blue Beast. I was coming out to a Netflix or Hulu series, apparently, and oh. I'm here for it. Oh, that's exciting. Wait, one more book question. How is your free little library going? It's so cute. Do you know I have a free little library? I know. I saw on your Instagram. So it was probably the number one thing I was most excited about moving to a suburb for, mostly <laughs> because we live on a quiet street. It's not a cut through. So no one's – seeking me out whereas if I had a little library in Hoboken where I used to live it would be a dead giveaway like hey Carly lives here like come I know I was like maybe I could get one for my patio and then I was like that's a bad idea it's also drunk people would steal them yeah we have like savages on our street so you never know I'm sure that about half I mean based on the number of packages that get stolen from me oh okay yeah so I find the little library to be so fun the hardest part is kind of keeping it stocked. Like, mm-hmm. I want to curate books for it. Oh, I saw it was in there, and I was like, this is very well curated. So now, do you have a take one, leave one policy? I don't, mm. but people have been – like, the books in there now, I didn't put a single book in got there. Got it. Okay, so people do. But I just got a library card. September was National Library Card Sign-Up Month, in case you were wondering. I have a library card. So I signed up for my new town on September 30th, and apparently they sell books too, especially children's books, because we have so many kids on our street, and I see them looking, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I doubt there's a kid's book in there, so I want to be better about like keeping them stocked, but I love it. And I even put little flower boxes on it. So cute. I, I can't wait for how – I'm going to do some like fake um, spider webs. I love that. I love – you know, especially as somebody who gets books sent to them, like being able to power exactly. people to read. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I live in Grace's building, so I'm also not going to start a little free library because they will also get stolen. You can start a yeah. library amongst yourselves. I think you only need two people to start a library. Maybe that's yeah. a book exchange. I think that but- I am the library. Like, I feel like anytime I see friends, I like think about what books I've, that yeah. I've read that I can bring to them. Anytime I have people over, I'm like, take anything. And they're like, yeah. anything? And I'm like, yep. My yeah. my yeah. TBR piles in my office, if there is anything on the bookshelf that you would like to read, you can Go take it. for it. So I do the yeah. same thing. I find gift giving is my love lang- language of how I give my love. Mm-hmm. I don't really like to receive gifts, but I'm I like the same to way. give them. And I think book gift giving is at the very top of that. Like giving someone a book that I think that they'll enjoy and then when they actually do enjoy it is probably the best feeling in the world to me Me too i find satisfaction that i don't find in the rest of my life i when i nail it the signal that i really like a book is when i start 
gifting it to people not on their birthday yes. not for a holiday like I just like sky painted gold I have gifted that to so many people Idea I just keep you. I mailing it to people yeah. I the my I've had like three books in recent or two books this year that I've been my like go-to gift books what are they it's um the bad blood mm-hmm. and quiet okay did you read Quiet? No, no. It's about oh my god, Grace, you have. Is to. it fiction or nonfiction? It's nonfiction. Sorry, Ugh. they're both nonfiction. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> apparently, I like nonfiction. I know. I don't think of myself as like a nonfiction girl, but I. I don't either, I but I, I I do love a good memoir, and I love anything that's like about true crime. So Bad Blood is about. I have it. Was, I haven't read it yet. It's good, and it reads really fast. Like it's written by a journalist, so it reads like I'm a fascinated very long by all things Theranos. Oh my god. It's the best. It's the best. It's better than any of the TV series, any of the okay. series, whatever. That's amazing. And then Quiet, I've never in my entire life felt so understood by anyone or anything when okay. I read that book. It basically explained everything about my entire life. Wow. Hmm. And I feel so passionately about it. It's about introverts. But okay. even if you're not an introvert, everyone knows an introvert and everyone works with an introvert or married to an introvert, has children that are introverted. It's it's a book everyone should read because I think introversion gets gets a bad rap and then it's a bad thing. But it's like, well, no, it's just not – it's just different. Pretty sure Grace is over there buying it. I yeah. am because I'm going to give it to so everyone. Good. I'm like, I this is how you can learn to you. understand me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's switch topics again to relationships. Yes. Okay, let's do it. So, Carly, you have had – you are very happily dating someone right now, mm-hmm. um, and you guys just bought a house together. We bought a house. That's my age. But you've had you've gone through some bad breakups. Yeah, one bad, one bad, one. We shouldn't say some. One yeah. bad. I met. Him it was actually a probably times. like my the only true breakup breakup that I had ever. Yeah. So can you talk to us a little bit about what like advice you might have for a, a listener who might have just gone through a bad breakup? It's going to sound very abrasive and like rude. And maybe this is why people think I'm mean, but I don't mean it in a mean way. I say it out of like love. But like everyone goes through breakups. Yeah. If anyone who's been in a more than one relationship has experienced a breakup, it's like to me one of the most universal experiences besides life and death. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone dies. And if you aren't, if you're someone actively dumped. seeking relationships, you're going to have a breakup. Now, sometimes you could be the, the breakup E or the breakupper, but with your it's hard. I don't. Well, I haven't sides. followed this for your the ex that we're talking about. Did you break up with them or did they break up with you? So, never actually like really explicitly said. Here's the tea, people. Oh, oh. we're getting the tea, but it's not actually tea. Like it's hard to explain. I think he was basically setting it up so that it would force the onus would fall on me. Got it. So he, he was like teeing behaved me up. badly to get you to dump him. It wasn't even like behaving badly. He was just like, I'm out. Okay. But he was there. So he checked out of the relationship. Oh, completely. And I, to be totally transparent, two things had happened. One, we had gone on a trip together with friends and I had this horrible sinking feeling that he was going to propose to me on the trip and I was going to say no. And so we got to the trip and I thought there was like one specific day when it would have happened. And when it didn't happen, I was so relieved. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was out of it. But part of it is like my life is so crazy and I knew it was public that I was dreading having to deal with a public breakup. Yeah. And it only got – it went from like – that was a point where I kind of checked out. So I'm just as guilty as it for sure. But I'm still kind of just making it work because I'm a bloomer. You're planted. Like buck up. I didn't realize this, but I'm actually kind of a glasses half full kind of person more optimistic than I realized. And I was like, whatever, 
let's just make this work. But then he was, it was just so bad by the end. And I am not condoning this and I'm, I've never done it before, but I had this like really bad feeling right before I was going home to my parents' house in Florida for Christmas break. Mm. And I felt like some, I just have a, I think I have a good intuition. So I felt like something was off and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a little snooping, which I really have never done, but I'm very glad I did. I would do it all over again, but I like snooped and I found like letters that he had written to to this other person. And I found a Christmas card that she had written to him. And it just felt like it had paper evidence. It was so that's why I think it was like, he was setting me up for it. Leaving it, these things around for you to snoop through. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like out in the open. I, but it wasn't well. I opened one drawer and it was like right there. So, and it was like the most obvious drawer. drawer. Yeah. It was like in the nightstand. I'm like, okay. You know, which, what was in the card? It was just a Christmas card, but it was like, oh, I just can't wait to go on all these adventures with you. And I was like, hmm, this is weird. Which also, but you saved it in your nightstand. From a yeah. girl, a girl gave him a card that said, I can't wait to go on adventures More with adventures you. with you. More. Yeah. So that signifies cheating to me. You can, I won't come okay. out and say it, but yeah, you can extrapolate whatever you want. No. Okay. So I. I'm not asking these no, I hadn't as leading seen questions. I'm him. just expressing yeah, my feelings. That's exactly what. Okay. I found a note. More adventures, whatever that means. I never asked. Nobody wants their boyfriend going on adventures with other ladies. No. And so I – but I hadn't seen him in two days because of, like, work schedule alignment. We just, like, weren't home at the same time. And so I went home to Florida. I did some Photoshopping of – because I had taken a photo of a letter that he had written that was folded up, but I didn't want to open it. So I took photos of it and, like, reverse imaged it and pieced it all together so I could figure out what it said. Like, I took it from every angle so I had the whole message. And it was basically just, just saying exactly what I assumed it would say. So I got home. I was like, well, I don't want to tell my mom, you know, classic. Yeah, mom's – Because yeah. then I was like, I didn't even want to think about it. Well, you, you don't want to ruin their holidays. Totally. And I didn't want to be depressed. I was like, I didn't know what to do even. So I just like kept it to myself. I'm sure my mom was like, oh, something serious is happening. But I was like, mom's the word. Mm-hmm. And three days went by and we hadn't exchanged a single text message. I hadn't texted him. Like, I frankly, I didn't care enough to like do some big blow up. Like that's – not my mojo. Like, yeah. if you're out, I'm out. Done. And so three days went by. And then I went and saw Love Actually with my best friend from home. Favorite holiday movie. And our movie. moms. Yeah, it was like the four of us went on like a mother-daughter date. And like watching that movie, I don't know, it like really got to me. And so I came home, texted him, just asked him what the girl – like who that girl was. I was like, who's XYZ? He like sort of denied it. And then I said, okay, cool. You just, I'm going to be back on January 4th and you just need to be moved out and I'm done. Like, it was very simple. And he was like, that's it. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, so you're, so that's it. I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, usually like breakups are a little bit more explosive. I'm like, kind of over it. And my first feeling was like relief. I was like, oh, sadness eventually came, but it was like, I felt relieved being done. So did that experience give you baggage now buying a house with another boyfriend? So it two funny things happened out of that. The first and it ties that ties that question in. The first is that my first and I mean first thought when I texted him just being like it's done. I've never seen him. We literally did it over text messages and I haven't seen what? him. What? Oh my god. But my yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? How long were you together? Two and a half years maybe. To break up over text, and but never I think I was just again. like really, really checked out. So okay, I but, mean, I didn't like him, so I 
I, I only met him like three times and I yeah. was just I mean I had fun with him and I'm very glad cute. I had that relationship because it taught me a lot of things. Like I'm grateful for it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but it is what I mean, it is what it is. It happened. Okay. So my first thought, now I didn't plan this. This is it maybe it speaks to like some inner conscious that I had or psyche, but I, my first thought was like, oh my God, this is so nice. Like I could meet someone who like I could be financially in line with like I don't have to buy a house by myself was literally my first thought okay and then when I got home basically everything in the apartment was mine I had like bought everything and he'd had the printer the tv the vacuum so I went to target bought a printer a tv and a vacuum and I was like cool (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to go then I had like a little bit of a mourning period because it was it's devastating and suddenly you're going home to a house all by yourself that was the hardest part yeah but then it was kind of like freedom I was like oh my god I'm living by myself again like this is amazing I liked that yeah and then after I let myself for like three weeks kind of grovel in this sadness slash like relief and like trying to figure out what I wanted to do I realized that I was going to have a ton of baggage if I didn't like address it address my baggage like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go into relationships with other baggage. Like I am emotionally aware enough to know that. And like I even went to my therapist that week and I was like, so we broke up. I had never like really mentioned anything like negative in the relationship. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, but I'm like kind of okay with it. And then I think she was like, okay, we worked through some things. And she was like, you know, what are you concerned about? And I said, I'm concerned about dating again, like Mm -hmm. putting myself out there. You come into the story. I'm concerned about not in relation to what ship to about what I'm about to say, but I was like nervous about having sex with someone else again because it had been like years. Yeah. And I had lost my virginity to him. Here's some real tea. But I was like, I'd only ever slept with this one person. Like, what does that yeah. mean? And I had had a weird relationship with sex like before. So I, that was my number one anxiety about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to set myself up on a full week of dates. Oh. But only to just get myself, like, back into the saddle. Then I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to go about my life. And when I'm ready to date for real, my first date, my first seven dates are going to be, like, over with. Yeah. I saw you at that Elizabeth Arden tea party. Oh, yeah. Or white tea The white tea event. That perfume is so pretty. I I saw. I still love it. That's so funny. So I – I forgot about that. Yes. Remember when we were in the elevator and I was telling you about all the apps I were on? I was yeah. on and you were like, what? <laughs> I was on every app. I was on The League. I was on Bumble. I was on Hinge. I wasn't on Tinder, but apparently Tinder's back. Okay. I went on – a so I went on dates from the Hinge, dates, dates from Bumble, one date, two dates from The League maybe. I went on a blind date and then maybe there's another date in there. And then I went – to DC to speak at Georgetown and I hooked up with my college flank. It like hooked up. You had sex. Yeah. Okay. And it, you know what? It was And like you never the, had sex in college. No, him. so it was like perfect. So you got over your fear. Yeah. It, it was like actually that's a great, very though, full circle moment. And I it was like the perfect person to have breakup, post breakup sex with what's it called, like rebound sex. He had just broken up with his girlfriend of three years three days before. Okay. I talked, oh, so you were on the same page. Yes. And I had blocked him from everything because things could get really complicated with us. It was very – he was basically calling to Marianne or Connor and Marianne. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Okay. Tale as old as time. Carly, this is some tea. Yeah. I know. It's actually like making me laugh thinking about it. So I went to Georgetown to speak at my old yeah. – to some of my old classes with professors or whatever and texted him on my the train ride down. I said, hey, I'm going to be in D.C. And he's like, 
cool. Is you texting me? I mean, I'm not blocked. I'm like, exactly. He's like, oh, funny. I just broke up with my girlfriend. And yeah, that was that. And you know what? It was so nice because I knew him. I'd known him for a decade. We had basically been like not dating, but we had had a relationship for like six years between my freshman year. He was the second person I'd ever kissed. So I thought I was going to marry him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I went to college like very green. But I also, you know, had some baggage in that department. So it was like full circle to like see him do it with someone that I like actually trusted because I I did and still would trust him. Maybe not in that sense anymore. But like he's someone that I'll always have like in my life and was such a big part of my life and never did anything bad. So it was like perfect. That you weren't worried about regretting it. No. And that was on day two of my week. So things were like really looking up. Oh, wow. This is a week. Yeah, and then Mike was my blind date on Friday. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if you met your current yeah. boyfriend on this week. He was my blind date. And I remember – This could I be a great I swear to God – I know. I've, I've thought about it. I'm like, uh I swear to God, though, I looked at him across the room. Now, I – at that point, he was my Friday date. So I had done Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, four mm-hmm. other people. And they most of them felt like business meetings except for, like, the college guy. And I was like, uh, dating kind of sucks. Like, I am not going to want to do this when it's ready to do it. And I saw Mike from across the room because it was a blind date. We didn't know each other at all. Isn't that the best feeling on a blind date when you actually see someone and you're like, oh, he's cute. But my first thought was, I'm not ready to date. What was I thinking? My mom was right. Because my mom had told me, like, don't date until you're really ready. But I was yeah. like, no, I'm just going to fake date. And – That was like kind of a challenge at the beginning of our relationship because I was still getting over a breakup like actively. Yeah, you thought you weren't getting a rebound. So it was, I we were both very tender, like tiptoeing around it. And he has three sisters, which I think led to a. He was more open minded about, and I was like super honest about what was going on. And I was very clear of like I am checking my baggage at the door, and it was it wasn't really like a whirlwind, but it it felt immediately right, immediately. I mean, I saw him across the room and my first thought was, I shouldn't have done this because I know I'm going to be with him. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. And I I wore the Elizabeth Arden white tea perfume. This is all a very full circle story, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know whenever I smell that tea, I like think about that week, but not in like a really positive sense to me. Like it smells like me kind of taking control of my life in a nice, empowering What a nice scent memory. Fragrance is really powerful like that. Like I have, like if I smell like, Polo blue, like I think of different guys I've dated, like Aqua de Jo, like I think of like my high school boyfriend. It, doesn't it feel like that's you're what in Abercrombie that time? Fierce does for me? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny how it like it's so powerful. Or like moments in your life, like I can tell you the fragrance I wore, like when I worked at Bobble Bar, and like the I don't know, it's just funny. Yeah. So that whenever I put that perfume on, I'm like, I, I actually carry the travel size with me whenever I travel because sometimes when I'm having anxiety, that smell, I'm like, hmm. like I feel in control. Yeah. Because that's really yeah. what that week was. I felt had felt so out of control in my past relationship. And I was like, that's not what I want in a my next relationship. Yeah. Like I want to be making decisions that are right for me and being okay to make the decisions that maybe hurt other people just because it's not the right thing. Yeah. Shall we move on to the miscellaneous category? Yeah. What's in the miscellaneous? Just a grab bag of things that didn't fit a category. Somebody wants to know what your workout routine is. So I work out at least three times a week, usually four. I do BBG. Okay. And then my fourth workout is either going to a class, doing yoga, very occasionally running, but very rarely running. Mm -hmm. But the BBG workout, I think, is the best. And I just do the the interval training. Well, this person also said after the question, they said, you look so healthy, happy, and don't seem to stress it. 
That's nice. That yeah, is very that's nice. That's really nice. I think I definitely stress like regular people, but I used to be a lot more stressed. I call I actually feel like I had a turning point in my life and I call it pre-enlightenment and post-enlightenment. And is that when you started to meditate? So or? I had a seizure. And that was like to me that was as rock bottom as it gets because it's not even like a mental thing. It was my whole physical body just was like you are done. But is isn't a seizure um I don't know how to say this like delicately like can you cause yourself to have a seizure so or I it's did. just like okay. So okay. it wasn't epileptic. It was Epileptic, yeah. you're right. But it I hadn't been drinking enough water. I hadn't been eating enough and it frequently enough. And I I already have a condition that had been diagnosed that I have to have like a ton of sodium in my diet. So between the dehydration, lack of sodium, lack of food, I wasn't sleeping. I was extremely stressed because I was getting ready to switch managers from a personal one to an agency. And my friend Julia had been in town as we were on like West Coast time and I had just gotten this new puppy and things were like maybe not so great like with my ex-boyfriend. And so it, my body literally just oh, went haywire. Yeah. yeah. And it was a very eye-opening experience because like everyone says you're not invincible, but then when you have this kind of like – did you ever watch the OA? Yeah. Like when you have that like NDE. Yeah. The near-death experience, it is a very – it like transformed my life. It just made me put a lot of things into perspective. And then ever since then, I realized like, A, I need to work out because that is my best form of therapy because mm-hmm. I'm like by myself. It's meditative a little bit. It's like endorphins. It's like mm-hmm. totally cliche, but the L. Woods quote is spot on for me. Um, drinking water, eating more balanced and more frequently. Not that I was like purposely not doing it, but I was just getting so wrapped up in my own life. I was like not thinking about it. Sleeping more. Like, I now – I'm, like, not ashamed to say, like, oh, I sleep eight hours a night. Like, I think it's, like, some people look at you, like, how do you have time to sleep? Oh, I hate when people judge that. I'm, like, I can do, I'm just taking care of myself. Yeah, I can do more in eight hours of working than I can in 15 hours of working because I'm well-rested. I'm happier. I'm less stressed. I have, like, things in perspective. So that's definitely helped a lot, and I feel like a different person, and I actually, like, don't have – panic. I used to have panic attacks like three times a week and they would disrupt my entire day. They disrupted my life, but it was my norm. So I didn't really know any different. And now that I don't have panic attacks because I meditate every single day, I'm coming up on my 1000th day. Oh my gosh. I was going to ask you how your streak with Andy is doing. Andy is the- I have a huge crush on Andy. We love Andy. His voice is very soothing. I'm I'm like actually obsessed with him. Um, 971 days. Yeah, that's- that's really good. 124 hours of meditation well, so total. Well, wait. And so that helps me. But now when I have a panic attack, because they do still sometimes happen, I actually, the first time I had one, had like a, a period of mourning because I realized it was so disruptive and so overwhelming and so horrible. But I had been going through that, experiencing it multiple times a week. And I realized like how much of my life I had let kind of pass by and like let be controlled by this. And it was – it made me very sad. I was like, I wasted I've been having panic attacks since like kindergarten. Like that's a long time to just be living under this like crushing feeling. Yeah. Well, somebody asked what your advice is for dealing with anxiety. And I feel like you just told us what it is for yourself. But like what is it for somebody who's like in the thick of it and not dealing with it? So it's – it is like the number one cliche piece of advice. And if you were to Google it, it's like the number one thing to say. But to tell someone that isn't in it with you. And that can be anyone. It can be like a coworker that you really trust 
wouldn't maybe do a manager just because of like power dynamics, but definitely like a coworker. If you're working, a pr- professor, a counselor, a, an aunt that maybe isn't involved, a parent who actually has like some good boundaries because that can be that can cause anxiety if it's like someone too close to yeah. you. And then to after you like kind of get that initial release of like just telling someone you're not okay to then go and like do the professional therapy. I think it it works for different people. You kind of have to like speed date through therapists to find one that works for you. So like, don't be discouraged if like the first one you go to doesn't work or don't feel stuck. How have you found therapists in the past? I always start with like my insurance, Mm -hmm. like who's covered. Um, And then sometimes I do like personal like friend recommendations, but a lot of times I'm just looking people's websites up online and like, what are they writing about themselves? Like, do they have a blog or are there certain topics that they're covering? It helps for me because I have something specific that I'm talking about. Like this is a period of my life where I'm having extreme intrusive thoughts, like seeking out a therapist who like specializes in Mm -hmm. OCD when we were talking in the other podcast. Was that today? I mean, at some point. About, it's all the same to us. <laughs> um, talking about like finding a therapist who understands what it's like to be an influencer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you need to find someone who understands what you're going through and specializes in it because you're going to get so much more for it. Yeah. Personally, I found like CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy to be the most beneficial because it helps me very specifically with like my intrusive thoughts and um, obsessions and go to the therapist and like commit to it. And it's not going to be easy. And I actually find it to be like walking uphill, like a very steep hill. Like it kind of hurts. It can be very uncomfortable. Every time I go to a new therapist, every time I'm so overwhelmed that I spend the first 15 minutes crying, even though I haven't said a single thing. Like I find it so overwhelming. And then six months in, you're like, this person knows just about everything there is to know about me. Yeah. So it takes time. Yeah. Carly, what would you do if you had eight more hours in every day? Read. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would read like exclusively maybe. You'd read for eight hours. Yeah. Like that would be amazing because it would free up the two hours that I read during the day. Oh, yeah. wow. Like because then I could listen to podcasts instead of audiobooks. Yeah. And I could like binge watch Netflix and not feel super guilty about not reading. Okay. What are your favorite podcasts? Bad on paper. Thank Duh. you. Duh. Um, I love Awesome Etiquette, although I haven't listened to it in a while, but it's the great – Great grandchildren of Emily Post. Oh, interesting. They talk about, like etiquette. It's very fascinating. I really haven't listened to it in a while because now I pretty much exclusively listen to um, audiobooks. Then I've been listening to Coffee Break French because I'm teaching my not teaching. I'm learning French. Cool. Cool. We oui. we. Oui. So I listen to the Coffee Break French, which is hysterically like you respond back to this tape. Oh, that is funny. I only do it in my car when I'm alone. I got very into Duolingo for a while. Oh, I do Duolingo. Yeah. Every single day. I'm on like day 270 there. Oh, wow. Um, Do you ever worry about people knowing too much about your personal life? I told you this was the grab bag category. Yeah. So I don't worry about strangers knowing too much about my personal life. I actually feel like more self-conscious about like people that I know in real life knowing Mm -hmm. about my life. Like I, I find it uncomfortable if I go to a wedding and people that I haven't – that I maybe met once and is like a girlfriend of Mike's friends or something, like I'm flattered. But they've been following me along for now nine months since the last wedding and they know ev- they know quote unquote everything. I'm like, oh. It feels one-sided because you're like, yeah. but I don't know anything about you. Like, So it's more uncomfortable to people in my real life and not from a judgmental standpoint. Yep. Like I don't think anyone's judging me if you're following me. Like that's on you. But – 
it can feel one-sided. Yeah, know? I can see that. Do you have a list of goals that you want to accomplish in your 30s? I don't have like a list. I have like a Clearly tenure. learning French. Yeah. Le- well, you know, that was like my New Year's resolution for the year and it's been really fun. I mean, I'd love to have a family. I have like a 10-year plan in the town I live in now. I like want to take over a bookstore or start a bookstore, like cafe situation. How cool. Oh, I love that. But like I'm not really ready to do that now and I think I will be down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, like really working on my finances and getting that super set up is like really important to me in my 30s. Like I want to make sure that like I'm, I've been fortunate enough to be successful now and I want to make sure that I'm like setting myself up to at least keep something going in that regard. Well, somebody and stuff. asked about finances. How Do you have any advice for managing personal finances? Do you use like an app or a program or – So I don't because I have a little bit of a photographic memory. Not perfect. I wish I did. But I can see everything in my head. So I keep that going mm-hmm. in my head. But it's not anything on paper because I can get kind of stressed out about money. Yeah. But I try to just put – I'm working with a financial advisor now to like make things more legit. But – Buying a house was, like, a big goal for me. And I was so anxious about, like, not having liquid cash because I wanted the minute a house was available to, like, be able to just write the check and be done. So once I got that kind of, like, checked off my list, now I feel like I have more freedom to, like, save in a better way and, like, save for way down in the future, not just, like, for the immediate Mm -hmm. future. You know, like, penalties of, like, taking money out of funds and stuff. And so I I hadn't wanted to, like, super commit to that, but now I am. Um, but like meet with a financial advisor. I think people assume they're really stressful and overwhelming, but this is what they do for a living and they don't find it stressful or overwhelming or else they wouldn't be doing it for a living. Yeah. Like my sister has a normal job, started working with a financial advisor and he's the husband of one of her friends and it's not super complicated. It's just like someone who sits down and says like, Hey, here's like six things to think about now. Like what's your five-year plan? Like how can we get there? How can we get you to your down payment goal and all this mm-hmm. stuff? And it's not something for like the elite. It's like, yeah, you're paying this person a fee, but they're earning that fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what is a staple item in your fall wardrobe? Totally switching gears. Yeah, this is very nice. Um, to, uh, It's kind of pathetic, but I just bought this black cashmere. It looks great. Thanks. I, was, I, I love you in all black. I know. I think it might be like my vibe. Now that I'm in my 30s, I feel like I'm a different person. You know when some. What do you think go- changed? So first of all, I f- I have felt like I was in my thirties my entire life. Yeah, so you're I've just coming been waiting into yourself. for it, and every single year I get closer and closer to my true self, my whole life. And you know when some people say like, "Oh, how does it feel to be 25? And you're like, "It's one second difference between turning twenty. You know, the, yeah. mid- the stroke of midnight doesn't make that big of a difference. Really feel more at ease with who I am. Okay, I love that. And I think I just don't care about a lot of stuff anymore and that was like a slow burn but now that i'm like solidly in my 30s i'm like yeah if i want to wear like all black and just go with it and not worry about what i'm wearing that's what i'm gonna do she's got a great outfit on today she's got black jeans like a black cable cashmere sweater and i got a turban headband i love that it's headband. real cute where's that from this one's a j crew one it's cute i didn't want to like super it's not poofy. too high yeah i think a lot of the headbands have gotten a little too high you know that the judge on um food network Mm-mm. okay she's like that's like <laughs> Judges judges all the cooking shows, and she wears like her signature headband. It's okay. or she her signature is her headband. Okay, and it's huge. 
Which yes, no. it works and for her. And people call them a hat band, which like, and like Katie Serena was wearing this massive red braided. Okay, I feel like headband. she's like Blair though. They can pull they off can wear anything. They can crazy things. Yeah. yeah. I can't. I can't either. No. Yeah. Somebody asked, this came this off pretty judgmental. It's super judgy. Why do you wear so many hair bows? And sidebar, we had Elizabeth Holmes at our live show in San Francisco, and she wore the Not cutest. Not the Theranos one. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes from So Many Thoughts. She wore the cutest velvet hair bow, and I loved it. So I have many thoughts on this. One, I feel like I can wear whatever I want. Agreed. And I shouldn't feel like I have to, like, explain. Yeah. Like, I don't want to defend myself, although I will say – I, I only left worn, this in because I thought it would be interesting I think it's to so have you funny. answer. But I've also worn hair bows and been obsessed with them for as long as I can remember. Like, there's a picture of me that my mom took me to, like, one of those Sears photo shoots. Oh, when yeah. I was, like, two. And I had curly hair, and I told my mom to clip a bow onto every single one of my curls, and she did. So in this oh, photo, I have, like – You must look deranged. I actually look more like a soccer ball, like, the <laughs> pattern of, like, how it is. But I – I kind of have memories of that, and I remember feeling, like, super proud. Like, I felt good. And I wore hair bows definitely – like, we had school uniforms in elementary school, and I'd always wear, like, the blue and white bow. And then my mom was like, this has to end. So she actually threw out my bows. And I couldn't find them, and I was like, well, this is weird. I don't really usually lose stuff. And then our hairdresser ratted my mom out and was like, so what did you think about your mom throwing out your hair bows? Oof. So – the minute I was, like, old enough to actually do it myself, I was, like, grosgrain ribbon was huge when I was in high school. Okay. Like, the grosgrain ribbon belt and, like, grosgrain ribbon oh, bows. Oh, I remember those. Yes. Everyone. It wasn't just me. It was, yeah. like, every single person. Even on, like, the soccer field, like, the soccer girls would wear grosgrain ribbons. So, like, it was a thing. And then I did it all the way through college. And now they're back. Yeah. I would do it even if they weren't in, but they're actually in. So it's Kate you. Middleton it just, doesn't. like, happens to be on trend right now. Yeah. I've – like, you know, everything comes full circles. Like, people mm-hmm. who dress like they're stuck in the 80s, it's like, well, now – people or the 90s. I'm yeah. like, the 90s are back. Yeah. It came back. So I'm just going to live in the bow moment, but I love them. I think you should wear whatever makes you happy. Right? I also feel like my hair is so boring that sometimes the bow just, like, a little accoutrement. So I think we can leave it with this last question. What is something that you want people to know about you? I think I just would want people to know that I'm a very normal person. Like, there's really not a lot – like, there's nothing that I have that someone else couldn't have themselves, and I'm normal. I think people like, oh, you have so many followers on Instagram. I'm like, yo, you've been doing this for so long. I'm like, really just – I do it because I like it, and I believe, like, good things come to those who, you know, work for what they want, and – Good things aren't coming. It's probably just a storm to weather through. And if you keep that attitude, like, eventually you get to where you want. Yeah. I always say work hard and be nice to people and you'll get far. No, I'm not perfect. Maybe that's what I'd want people to know. Like, yeah, I'm a human. I make mistakes. Sometimes I say, like, send a DM that I regret or, like, put up an Instagram story that I probably shouldn't have. But just move on. If if you're not doing anything for It goes away in 24 hours. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Carly, where can people find you? If I assume if anyone has listened this far, they're already following you. But if they're not, uh, my blog is carlytheprepster.com. My Instagram is at Carly, C-A-R-L-Y. Your Twitter? My Twitter is Carly. What's your bookstagram? My bookstagram is Carly's Book Club. She also has a Facebook group. Yes, Carly the Prepster group, I think. And I'm on Goodreads, but there I'm College Prepster. Okay. Okay. Haven't rebranded over on there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Thanks for doing this Guys, with us. Thank yeah, you so much. We're so honored. We, we had so much fun. A lot of stuff. A yeah. lot of tea here. We really we did. did. Yeah. I learned. A, I learned like, some new Harley facts. Well, I feel like a lot of people are going to learn a lot of new facts. Yeah. Well, we're going to get this to the biggest episode. Kind of makes me nervous, but yeah. I mean, I give the people what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, there's something about I get nervous about writing stuff because mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, is this going to come out the way I want it to come out versus me being able to speak it? Yeah. Well, writing someone can like skim and get to the juicy secret, and then it's there, and it's like kind of like there forever or they read what they want to read sometimes mm-hmm. i find that to be the case i'm mm-hmm. like i want you to hear me saying it with like with my intonation and like intonation and to hear where i'm like just totally being sarcastic and not serious yep yeah you know you kind of have to hear someone speak which i feel like if you hear me speak and then read my blog you can hear me totally because i just write how i talk you do write how you talk some people hate me for it but yolo <laughs> yolo <laughs> yeah All right. Thank you, Carly. Thank you. Thanks, Carly.